guys, welcome back to the podcast. So last week, I released the audio of the panel that I was included on at Sync Summit LA. That was the uh, big conference that happened uh, just about a week ago here, uh, maybe actually two weeks now. Um, but I was very honored to be invited by Mark Freezer, who is the creator of Sync Summit. And essentially, what Mark is putting together with this event is a sort of collaboration and a uh, think tank in a way of all the different players in the sync licensing business getting together in one room for one event and just sharing perspectives, sharing their struggles, sharing their successes, talking about what their process looks like, uh, talking about, uh, more importantly, what they're looking for in music, which I know for many of you listening right now, that's going to be probably the most interesting to you. Um, And there was everybody from music library owners, music supervisors, sync agents, and then a lot of artists, bands, singers, songwriters, and producers, composers. So basically anybody you could think of that was involved in the sync licensing business, they were present. And there were some really great big names there um, at this event. So uh, joining me this week is Trevor Llewellyn, and he was also at the event with me. So I wanted to bring him on this week so that we could both share our perspectives of the event and give an overview and a review for all of you guys, because I know that you know it's not cheap to be able to get the tickets to go to some of these events, to travel, for the plane tickets, for the the car rides, for the hotels, for the transportation and the, you know, the, the food. I know that this stuff adds up a lot and I wanted to make sure that you guys are fully aware of what you'd be getting involved with if you invested in a future Sync Summit conference um, before you do. So that's what this episode is really all about. If you guys have seen some of my pre- previous videos, I am not one that goes to a lot of conferences or goes to a lot of these networking events, uh, mostly just because I've been very busy. I just love working on my production music and creating tracks for my current library uh, partners and and, um, and business contacts that I've already accumulated over the years. And believe it or not, almost all of those were created online. I found most of these people actually just through an email submission or a Facebook note. So I've been very fortunate in a way that I haven't had to do a lot of traveling and going to conferences to network. I've done a lot of it just right here from my home. Um, but the other thing, obviously, is that I'm spending a lot of time I'm educating a lot of you through the internet. So I have my YouTube channel, I have this podcast, I'm running my Sync Academy and Sync Edge programs and the syndicate. So I'm reaching thousands and thousands of producers right here from my home studio. So sometimes I'm wondering, you know, if traveling to some of these events to speak to just one room, even though there might be thousands, maybe a thousand people in the room, I'm still actually reaching a lot more people just by creating this content online. So that's one of the reasons why I haven't done too many of these events. But I have to say I really enjoyed my time at Sync Summit. I enjoyed meeting a lot of the composers and producers in the audience and obviously meeting some of the players on the other side of the equation, the supervisors and the music library owners. And that was really, really cool. Um, just to kind of put you know faces on names and really meet the people behind the scenes that are really working hard to help me get my music placed in TV shows, movies and commercials. So that was what I loved about it. So let's go ahead and uh, Trevor, why don't you go ahead and give us your uh, overall impressions. We'll get into the details later, but just your overall impressions. I know this was your first Sync Summit as well, and you've also been to PMC. You've been to many other events. So where would you rank this um, this event overall in your first impression of it? Um, I don't know if I'd give it a number. Uh, <clears throat> it wasn't like perfect, but it, it wasn't like mediocre either. It was uh, somewhere in the middle, like if you know, scale of one to 10, like a six or seven, somewhere in there. Um, <clears throat> it was much smaller, like, and more intimate, which I actually really liked because I've been to some where it's just like there's a sea of people, right? And <clears throat> that has its benefits because there's a lot of people you can connect with, get cards and all that stuff, but then you don't really connect with them while you're there. When with this thing, there were people like it was two days long and there were people that I met the first day and then throughout the day, you know, like shook their hand again, like, hey, how you doing? Like on the second day and really just kind of, it was a little more feel like I felt like I was a part of something 
that was also wanting to be wanting me to be a part of it you know so <clears throat> that was pretty cool I've never really experienced that kind of like level of like intimacy within a conference type thing which was cool um <clears throat> but yeah there, there was there was a basically the way that it seemed like it was structured was really great industry panelists I mean, there was Jesse, <laughs> there was, um, there was some music, there was some really great music supervisors that I knew I've known of beforehand. And so it was cool seeing them speak and hearing them talk about what they do and what they need. Because if any of you guys have ever done any research on music supervisors, they're not really out there a lot. Like maybe they're a little bit on Twitter or whatever, but they're not like on a YouTube channel or something. So <clears throat> it was cool to kind of get them, hear them talk about what they need, what's going on with them, how they work. Um, same with some of the other companies they had there. They had some tech companies that were doing um, like some AI type stuff for music, some <clears throat> music video type stuff for music. There was just a lot of cool industry stuff that isn't just, hey, let's get you Spotify plays because there's a lot of that, you know, out there, people trying to get Spotify plays or whatever. This was a lot of the alternate ways, mainly focused on sync, which was the, the which the majority of the panelists were um, supervisors and sync agents. And Jesse, I think you just did a video on sync agents, but that was something I don't know much about. And so it was cool to be there and hear all these sync agents talk. So <clears throat> overall, I learned a lot because I've only really gone into the library world. And this was like 80% sync agent world, which is slightly different. I don't know if you want if you want to like explain what that is real quick. Um, but yeah, that, that was a cool, like different thing that this had that others I don't think have. Absolutely. Yeah. I think what was really interesting about this entire event is I discovered how much of a little cocoon I've been in for so many years. Yeah, and I yeah. think everybody on the other side of this equation, and I'll explain what these two cocoons are, they were also in their little bubble and they weren't aware of what I've been doing in or Trevor and I have been doing on this side of the business. So let me explain that. So if you are a artist, a songwriter, a band, and you're creating original music and you're releasing it to the public through iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, social media, right? You want a fan base, you want to sell directly to your fans, you want a tour, you want the record deal or you want a DIY, but you really want to create um, a 100% a, a original artist career for yourself. And if that's your plan, Sync Summit seems to be the best fit for you. Reason being is because, just like Trevor said, they have all of these sync agents on the panels who are very approachable and they actually want to hear from all the artists and songwriters that were in the audience. And I was very surprised how approachable everybody was. It was literally like, as soon as the panel was over, these people would not rush off the back through the green room and get out of there. They would come off the stage to the front and there would be about a 15 to 20 minute networking break where people could actually interact. That would be the one thing that I would say could be improved about the event is I think some more networking time because as soon as, you know, 15 to 20 minutes is only enough for one of these sync agents to maybe talk to one or two producers and composers. And by the time those two are done, it's like, all right, we're on to our next panel. And people either had to like kind of be hushed out and go out of the back of the room or, you know, so sometimes that stuff felt a little bit rushed. So I think maybe structuring the event where there would be a full hour of networking maybe after a panel or something like that. I mean, I've never put on an event. So, and Mark is a work course he you could tell that he was totally i mean not only was he corralling everybody to get in when we needed to get in but he was also introducing every guest and hosting every panel so the guy is a workhorse so all props to mark for pulling this off um a lot of a lot of great work and hard work goes into that but I think in this event, yeah, it's mostly focused on artists and producers that want to do um, the artist thing. I'm just going to call it that. But they see sync licensing as an auxiliary or maybe another alternative way to earn some extra money if their tracks are useful for a particular opportunity and also obviously get some big exposure if they get a massive placement. 
And all the sync agents that were on stage, including a lot of the music supervisors, they point blank said, our biggest motivating factor for what we do is we want to break the next big artist. Like they want to create um, a legacy for themselves as being known for breaking X artist or Y artist, the one that really tops the charts for the next five to 10 years. So that's really what they're in this for. And many of them even on stage said, listen, if you are a producer or composer and you're trying to do music licensing full time, don't waste your time sending music to us because we are not going to be able to offer you those kind of opportunities that are going to be consistent enough to start growing your royalties. This is, and that's, and I definitely took that as well. And I'm, I appreciate their honesty that they're not trying to mislead people. It's really more for those that are thinking that um, the touring and the sales and streaming income is going to be their primary bread and butter. But sync licensing is something that you don't have to do any, any extra work. You basically just send your catalog off to a sync agent. They either exclusively or non-exclusively represent it for you. And if there's an opportunity, if, right, maybe it could be two months down the road, six months, maybe a year down the road, that your music is perfect for, they will pitch it for you, okay? But that's a completely separate thing than what I've been involved in, what Trevor's been involved in, where you're working with production music libraries, okay? So I, I found this very just sort of uh, clarifying for myself to realize that there are really kind of two major paths that I think music creators can take. And it really comes down to what do you want to do? Do you want to be an artist? Do you want a fan base? Do you want a tour? Do you want to sell records? Do you want to go down that path? A sync agent or maybe pitching the supervisors, I think sync agents are still the strongest choice. Many of the supervisors on stage in a very polite way basically said, don't send me music because they would say things like, well, I work with a very small team. That's code word for I'm not looking for new people. Or they'd say, yeah, go ahead and send me your music, but you know, give me a month to get back to you. I'm a very busy person. Somebody who's going to take a month to get back to you, you know, don't, don't count your lucky stars, basically. You might not be getting a response back from somebody after a month. And they all, all said that they were inundated, just flooded with submissions. So it seems like submitting directly to supervisors, I would never say never. You could possibly get something with them, but it, de it definitely, and they were being as honest as they possibly can without trying to just crush everybody's dreams. They were basically saying, we go to other people for music. I mean, we either have already have a built-in team that we go to, or we go to a sync agent, or we go to a music library. So they were basically saying pretty much what I've kind of known for a while is that going directly to music supervisors is not the smartest approach for you guys to do. So as the event stands right now, I think that's really who it's geared towards. Now, however, the panel that I was involved in was called Production Music Library. So, and this was a brand new panel, actually. Mark said even on stage that this was the first year they had done a panel talking about Production Music Libraries. And actually, I shared the stage with the VP of BMG Production Music. So very big name, very big company out there. So there are legit players that are obviously already getting involved with Sync Summit. And Mark, I think, hinted at the fact that he might want to start to incorporate more of that side of the business into future uh, Sync Summit events. Now, if he does that, and if there's a larger presence of more libraries and more people on our side of the fence, then I would say that Sync Summit might be really useful for many of you listening and watching to this watching this podcast right now. Uh, but until that happens, I think this is more of an event for those of you that see sync licensing as the secondary focus, right? You're not primarily focused on it. It's just something you'd like to learn a little bit about. Maybe you want to just go to an event so you can meet a sync agent in person, get a vibe. You can actually watch them all on stage and kind of pick and choose which one seems like you're more like your personality type or somebody you want to work with. And then you can literally right afterwards hand them your business card and go talk to them. So that's was really cool about it they were very approachable um anyways so if you want to touch more on that trevor if you have any further thoughts yeah the <clears throat> the sync agent thing really uh interested me because I've, I've never really been down that road and so while i'm not an artist and i don't really have artists like on like around me you know most of the people around me just like a lot of the people you know, your viewers and stuff are just like producers composers that kind of stuff <clears throat> 
it was really interesting to see how that relationship works and it totally makes sense so if you look at it from a music supervisor standpoint and they said this multiple times if you're a music supervisor and you have a show and you need you know 10 songs do you sift through hundreds of individual emails to find the perfect song or do you have like three or four companies that do that for you basically because a sync agent basically has a roster of music they go to the show and the show let's say the show is a drama dramatic comedy or whatever and it needs somewhat moody but fun music or whatever if that even makes any sense and um in your roster there's one person that that could work for now that now that company doesn't doesn't send everything they have they just send the one thing that they think can work and if you are a supervisor working on a show like you know okay this company knows what i want and they're just only going to send me what i want with a little bit of wiggle room or whatever and then I don't have to sift through a hundred different songwriters and vocalists and also have to worry about paperwork too. Cause one of the things they talked about is like, they're afraid to talk to artists because artists will have like two songwriters, two producers. Maybe there's a sample in the record. Like there's so many problems and sync agents figure that all out beforehand. And then, <clears throat> and so from the sounds of it, supervisors just want to deal with sync agents and libraries and and the general gist of the whole thing was all of the the artists that were there the like singer songwriters and all of the you know the bands and stuff they all were basically like okay we need to find a sync sync agent that fits us fits our style they like us we like them that whole you know we vibe with them all that fun stuff so that we step back and let them do their job and we keep making great music. And that is a world that I didn't even know really existed. I mean, I kind of knew like some companies were doing like, like artist rosters type stuff, but there's a big, there's a, a lot of these sync agents who just, they get a good amount of, you know, a Ross artist roster. They clear everything up legally, they get everything organized and then they go, they take that music. And the one thing they did hammer down is like, <clears throat> let's say they have a roster of 50 artists, you know, or bands or whatever. Um, they're pitching for small little needle things, needle, needle drop things. They're not pitching to have the music play wall to wall during a reality show. They're pitching to try and be on a trailer or featured in a movie, you know, which those things come, those things come once in a year type stuff. And maybe, and so they were, like you said, it's an auxiliary thing. Like if you're an artist or a band or whatever, this is something where you hand over your work to this person to do that thing. And maybe sometimes they get you placements because they care about your music and they like your music. That that seems to be kind of the route that the sync agents, that like the relationship between artist, sync agent, and library or uh, supervisor that works the best and people are really flocking to, which is why about 80% of the summit was that. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I would say, you know, I talked about this in uh, one of the previous episodes too, about because all I heard about sync agents up until maybe a month ago was a bunch of scam offers. That's all. When somebody, one of my, usually it comes from one of my subscribers and I'm like, Hey Jesse, look at this email I got. What do you think of this? And the one that just, you know, completely blew my mind was somebody trying to charge $1,500 a month plus 10% of anything that they secured for them. And it was a 12 month commitment, 60 day cancellation notice. It was just like, and they called themselves essentially a sync agent. So I had heard this term and I'm like, it just sounds like it's a bunch of BS and it's a bunch of, um, you know, scammers and opportunists that are going out there and preying upon uh, newbie and uh, naive uh, producers. However, uh, my whole worldview was reset when I went to sync um, summit because um, here's what I think a legit offer from a legit um, sync agent would be. 
no upfront fees at all, okay? They're not charging you at all for anything, okay? If they're gonna take your music on, it's because they believe in your music, they like you, they like your music, and they see that there might be potential for you to get placements. Now, what, what are they gonna take on the, either the sync end or the publishing end? That is all very negotiable. I've heard of some deals where they don't touch any back end at all. No writers, no publishers. So that's one advantage for working with a sync agent is you can actually take all the back end money. Again, not tons and tons of opportunities are going to be thrown your way. It's if your music is ready and if your music is available or uh, um, appropriate for this one particular placement at this one particular time. And you're not obviously pitching and custom stuff to them based on their needs. You're just giving them music you've already created and it's just the music that you love, right? Um, but usually on the upfront, usually they're going to take, no matter what, they'll probably take a chunk of the sync fee, the upfront fee that they land, uh, they get for landing your placement. And that, what I've seen is about 25 to 50%. That seems to be about the range that most of these sync agents are going to, um, charge or not charge, but take after they get your track placed. Okay. So basically what you should look out for, if you are an artist band and you're looking to work with a sync agent, if they ask for any money upfront, I'm not saying they're not legit, but think about their incentive. If they're getting paid, whether or not they get you placements, do they really care about getting you placements? Not really. They're getting money from you either way. So you got to think about it. Put yourself in their shoes. If they're just getting this monthly income from you or an annual fee or whatever it is, are they really going to be driven to get off their butt and go pitch your music for you? I would argue not because they're getting paid no matter what. Number two, look at what they're going to be taking in terms of the upfront fees and the publishing side of things. Also, exclusivity versus non-exclusivity. I would say a lot of them are going to be asking for an exclusive, um, um, sort of not exclusive that you have to keep your music only with them. But when it comes to pitching for sync opportunities, they might ask you for a, per a certain period of time, maybe a year or two years to say you need to only let me pitch your music for the next year or two and see if I can get you something for that. So don't be surprised if you see those kind of opportunities. There are definitely those that are non-exclusive and they'll say, go ahead and pitch to anybody else. But what I heard from many sync agents, and maybe Trevor, you can back me up on this, is they were basically saying, don't send music to me and to somebody, some other sync agent. I think that's kind of what I was hearing from many of them because they obviously don't want to be pitching the same, the identical track that the next sync agent is pitching for the exact same um, opportunity. And I know that multiple sync agents will pitch for the same opportunity. Do you remember them talking so much about that? Yeah, yeah, no, I remember on both ends for the for the supervisor and for the um, <clears throat> sync agent. And it, the, the general consensus was be exclusive and be completely exclusive. I don't mean completely as in your whole career, but all of your music at one sync agent, one gives them the kind of like, OK, you believe in us and we believe in you. And two, it's they get to then when they go to a client, they can say a supervisor, they can say, um, I have everything of this person like this person you can only come to me for this person. And <clears throat> that's on the like surface part. And then underneath in the paperwork part, uh, supervisors do not want to deal with trying to fight who get, who do they pay, right? Because they're, they've, they told plenty of stories of they wanted to license a song. The songwriter had it non-exclusive. So like three sync agents had the same song and they wanted a license, but all three sync agents were like, well, hey, you owe us no, you owe us, you know, and, they, and then the supervisor just kind of has to deal with this mess now. And so all of them pretty much said, we don't want to deal with non-exclusivity because it just creates a legal issue and a who do I pay issue. And um, the companies that do the non-exclusive, they really, they get anything and everything. And so the, the music supervisors start to not really like, like it as much because it just becomes like a, here's a whole ton of stuff and it could be good. It could be bad. It could be mediocre. Like it just could be everything. Whereas <clears throat> some of these sync agents, if you know, they're really doing the exclusive thing, 
Um, they're taking a lot of the, you know, they're taking your music. One of the things that there was some wiggle room is, is um, some artists, while they didn't like it, like the sync agents didn't really like it. Some artists will put like one album with one sync agent and a different album with a different sync agent and kind of spread themselves out a little bit. And that wasn't like a big no, no, but it, they were kind of like, ah, but if, you know, if I'm pitching you and they want more of you, like a client wants more of you, I don't have the rest of you. You know what I mean? Like, so there was a little bit of that, but yeah, for the most part, the both sides just did not like the idea of non-exclusive because it's like, it becomes a mess. And so, yeah, that was the general consensus, I think. Cool. Yeah. And uh, some of the speakers that I wanted to highlight, just to let you guys know, like how legit these people are. Um, Matt Sullivan was one of the first speakers. I think he was the first speaker, actually, in the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, he was responsible for the um, <clears throat> Aladdin remake, the live action remake they did last year. And so he basically helped compose, produce, and clear the music uh, for that. And he basically has carved a little niche um, for himself in doing musicals. He's worked with Spielberg. He's worked with some major directors and some major projects. Um, And he was the one that actually said on stage that he works with a small group. And I I interpret that to be exactly what I think it means. Um, But anyway, so that was really cool to hear him. And I think one of the quotes that I do remember from him, which was very useful, is he said, you always want to be the solution. Don't become the problem. And what he meant by that is that he actually got his start becoming a music supervisor and a producer in this world because there was a tiny little technical problem that needed to be solved. And in fact, he said his first job was, I think, sorting CDs on a, on a um, uh, some sort of a shelf for somebody. And so they were like, well, here's all these CDs. We need these sorted so that we can find them. And this was obviously back in the days, well before the digital era. And so he was like, sure, I can do that. And he just was started making him, making himself useful and, and solved a problem for somebody. This person, I forgot who it was, but it was somebody that was fairly well connected uh, in, the, uh, in the licensing world, in the entertainment world. And that kind of got his career started. And then it, it came to a point where he had one got, one job where he was he was trying to fix a mix in front of a client because there was a missing trumpet part. And what he decided, he's like, oh, crap, I got to fix this right away. I have my client here. He figured out how to get the track off of a CD, import it into his Pro Tool session, you know, fade up this little trumpet part that was missing on the original mix. And immediately the guy was like, you solve problems. You're hired for my next gig. And that's basically how he started his entire thing. And so he started realizing that if he's going to come in and provide a service, he better be solving problems and not be the problem himself, meaning supplying you know music that's not completed or not appropriate or having you know errors or not submitting what, what people want, right? So that was a very you know concise, short little piece of wisdom that I, I really carried with me um, after the uh, event. Allison Litton was another um, music supervisor. She's done clearances for Joker, the big, huge Joker movie that just came out. Godzilla, King of Monsters, tons and tons and tons. She worked with, uh, I think it was uh, Legendary um, Pictures. So she's done incredible uh, work and and just huge projects. Uh, Chase Butters was with Deutsch Advertising. I've actually gotten a few opportunities through Deutsch, so that was that's a big company. Uh, if you've seen advertising on TV uh, anywhere, Deutsch has probably had their hand in it. They are just one of the biggest companies out there doing some incredible things. Um, so those are just a few of the names that were there. So uh, I know I sent the list over to Trevor um, when I was invited to go to the event. And I said, you know, what do you know about this event? Do you think this is legit? And he just like an exclamation marks like, Tons of legit people there. This looks really, really promising. So that was one of the big selling points for me that this wasn't just kind of people that were pretending to know what was going on in this business and kind of imposing in here. But these are real legitimate people that were on stage. Now, I would say in terms of what we saw on stage, like what were they really talking about? Because the way that it was billed was this is going to be an event where sort of the different perspectives Um, everybody kind of talks about what their needs are and what their challenges are and all that kind of thing. And I'd say in some ways that was achieved because there was definitely like for um, Matt when he was on stage, definitely talked about his process for how he essentially got one of the songs created for the Aladdin remake. Um, And it was interesting. It was a cool like kind of behind the scenes how this track was made. 
not necessarily so useful for maybe a music producer though. It was kind of cool and interesting. I mean, entertaining for sure. Entertainment value on 10 just to hear because he was talking about how he had Will Smith in this tiny little studio setup he had and uh, how Will Smith was obviously uh, inserting his ideas for how they wanted to remake the song. So it was that kind of a cool, like a VH1 behind the scenes kind of thing. It was really cool, but not necessarily as useful for, you know, how do you serve the needs of somebody like Matt Sullivan? How do you get into his world and that kind of a thing? So some of the panels were definitely more geared towards that. I think our panel um, for production music library it was sort of split in the middle because obviously on one side of the stage it was me and the VP of BMG music production so we're talking about production libraries and then on the other side you had an advertising uh, agency representative which was great and I'm going to hopefully get him as a podcast guest and then you had the AI created software um, program which you know it's kind of a hodgepodge of all these different worlds that they they do intersect absolutely but I think there could have been a, a separate panel just on production music library and a separate panel on new tech you know AI software that kind of thing because I think uh, Shane from Amper who was that that representative a lot of questions were getting thrown at him and a lot of sort of hesitations and sort of concerns and don't worry guys I actually have him booked for my next podcast so hopefully that's all secure and we'll get that done but I have a lot of questions obviously I'm going to ask him because there's a lot you can go into in terms of the uh, the AI stuff that's coming down the pipeline and it's not personal about Shane or about Amper but it's about this technology that's obviously going to be disrupting our lives in every asset so I definitely want to or every facet I want to definitely dive into further into those topics so that would be one point of um Something that could be improved in the event moving forward is just have maybe more dedicated areas. But I, like I said, this was a brand new thing uh, for Mark to introduce this topic into uh, the Sync Summit event. So um, other than that, I love the event. We were in this really cool old school um, uh, like Mexican restaurant that you went downstairs into this uh, basement area. Super dark. It felt like you like, you know, we, we, the event started at 10 in the morning, but you felt like you're already at a bar. Really, really quiet um, and, and dark and just really just intimate. And uh, just like Trevor said, you kind of became a family as as this event went on you kind of knew everybody everybody had a familiar face it wasn't you know a thousand people and it was just constantly you know it felt like some event at a vegas convention center it was really really small and really intimate and you could walk up and talk to literally anybody you wanted to and i know that's hard for a lot of people because i talked to a lot of people um and i know that musicians and producers were not the most outgoing and um uh you know uh what is it not introverted extroverted and walking up to people and making an impression so i understand that it's really difficult so for those that do go to these events and do put themselves out there it takes a lot of guts it takes a lot of courage so i think that's really cool that a lot of you guys um a lot of you guys do that so that's pretty much what i got for the event trevor do you have any final thoughts on it um no i just it i will say you touched on it a little bit but the mark who put it on like that was impressive. Everything that he did, he was, you know, <clears throat> he, I think he, he did every panel. he scheduled everything. He corralled everybody. Like it was actually, that was one of the, like my favorite parts was kind of watching him do it all. Cause he was very good interviewer, very good at keeping everybody like, Hey, everybody come in. We're about to do this. You know, like he was, that was, you know, uh, like, a something that I just, I was pretty impressed with when I was there. I was like, wow, man, like you're doing this really good basically by hand like he was doing it himself you know not i don't even know if he had an assistant or anything but that was pretty cool which i think gives it the uh that personal feel because like the guy who put it who puts it on he's right there with you the whole time and so not only are you in a room with just a bunch of people that you've seen over and over again like the host and the main guy is there with you a lot and talking to you and it's super approachable so i would say that the general feel i loved way more than probably every other um, event that I've been to like PMC or NAB and those kinds of things. So those are super corporate and this was much more personable. I really liked it. 
Awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to keep in touch with Mark. We're probably going to do some more uh, podcast episodes. I think he's going to be revamping and relaunching his. He had it going for a couple years ago, uh, a couple years back, and now he wants to revamp it. So I hopefully will be a, a guest on his podcast too. So we're going to keep in touch and we're going to see where he wants to go in the future of Sync Summit. Again, if I feel that it's very valuable uh, for those of you, because I think most of you guys listening and watching this are probably more on the camp of your full-time TV film music producers and composers, and that's kind of where you want to go. So I want to make sure if you are going to invest in an event like this um, that you get really your money's worth. And so I will obviously keep you guys up to date on all the new, um, any updates or anything that happens as this uh, event maybe evolves into this world a little bit more. So stay tuned for that. And obviously this week, as I just said, we have Shane from Amper. Hopefully we, everything works out. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm announcing it now and hopefully I'm not going to be eating my words later, but we have our interview scheduled. So hopefully everything works out for that and we get that going. And I want to release that actually next week. And so we're going to dive into those topics of AI uh, creation, uh, music creation software that, and I get it. A lot of people are worried about this stuff. A lot of people are freaked out that this is going to come in and destroy our industry and destroy our jobs and take over what we're doing. And I'm going to dive into all of that kind of stuff. I don't want to sugarcoat anything. And I think Shane is a guy that you can ask him those direct questions. I don't think he's going to sugarcoat code anything or try to uh, just give a politically you know correct answer um, and if he does I will keep grilling him I will try to get all those direct answers out of him so hopefully we can get to the bottom of it but again it's really more the reason why I want to do this is not to you know uh, put Shane on the hot seat or anything like that but I want to sort of show some curiosity for this new technology that's coming down the pipeline and it's going to be hitting all of us on all aspects of our lives and I think the very unhealthy thing and probably the very most unproductive thing we can do is to shut our minds off to it, not look at it, uh, kind of bury our heads in the sand and go, oh, that's not going to come, that's not going to really happen, or just absolutely resist it and, and think that it's just awful and terrible. Um, I think what you're doing is you're doing a disservice for your future career, actually, because technology has been steaming through and piling through history and making it possible for us to make music full-time right now from our home studio. You know, uh, All the sample libraries and all the sounds that we have access to, that is all a form of technology that's been improved and innovated. All the DAW software programs this is how disrupting uh technology can be because go back 20 years and i don't have a home studio okay we, we were not able to do this you would have to go shell out tens of thousands of dollars to go to a studio to hire a band to hire an orchestra hire a mixing engineer just a recording engineer you, i mean it's just it's, it's unbelievable to the fact that for basically a couple thousand dollars you can have a full studio set up where you don't have to pay every time you want to create a track. You can absolutely do it right from your home studio. So I have definitely benefited big time from the advancements of technology. So that's why I always, even if I'm a little bit scared, a little bit nervous, a little bit like, what is this going to do? I do want to always have that curiosity for it because technology, all, all I've been noticing from technology is that it's been encouraging or um, uh, enriching and benefiting my life in massive ways and in incredible ways. So I think if we have that open mindset and that curiosity for it, I think we'll see some great things coming down the pipeline. So thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you, Trevor, for joining me and for sharing your thoughts. And I hope you guys enjoyed this review of Sync Summit. Stay tuned next week. Thank you for listening to the Sync My Music podcast. If you enjoyed the show and want me to do more episodes, all that I ask is that you leave me a review on whatever platform or app that you're listening to. It just takes a few seconds. I'll never charge for this podcast and I wanna keep it 100% ad-free. And your review right now will help me do just that. Thank you so much.